This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get to today's Browns film breakdown on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, I want to talk to you guys about Untuckit.com. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Flat out look bad if you have to wear an untucked. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Usually you'll find them hanging down toward people's knees. I know that mine go halfway down my thigh. Sometimes I'm built like a weirdo. Thankfully there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked, worn casually, if you will. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untuck length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift to give the favorite person, your father, your brother, the favorite male in your life who needs an upgrade to their shirt wardrobe because we all know one. With more than 50 fit combinations, even a combination for my weird body shape, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Whatever material you like, whether it's flannel, whether it's silk, they got it. They'll be able to give you those colors that you prefer or anybody else in your life that you're looking to buy for. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from the styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is super easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit, because that can be a challenging part. So whether you're shopping with the perfect holiday gift, or you're just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuckit.com is the way to go. So visit Untuckit.com and use this promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com, Untuckit.com, and enter that promo code BLUE for 20% off today. All right, and we're off today's podcast baker mayfield undraftable off my board the cleveland browns select baker mayfield Welcome to Brown's Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns, writer at the OBR, coming at you guys on Bills Week. It's frustrating. We're 2-6, and six, but all you can do is look forward, look at some opportunities to win some football games. The Browns still have eight games left, believe it or not. The first eight have felt like a terrible uh, nightmare almost, and... Um, uh, you know, nonetheless, here we are. They got eight games left to go, eight winnable games, including the Bills, who do come in at 6-2. and two. Uh, You know, the Bills are uh, a team, I think, that the Browns wish they were right now in terms of what their schedule looked like to start the year and um, sort of where uh, their, their season has shaped up, winning some games that they were supposed to win and sort of just, you know, writing a good culture that they have there, writing a good setup, writing a good um, – you know, defense that has been able to carry them. And they have, uh, you know, found themselves with only two losses. They lost to uh, New England um, at home. Uh, and then they also lost uh, a home game to uh, Philadelphia. They have beat the Jets, Giants, Bengals, three bad teams. The Titans they did beat. 
which is a team Cleveland lost to, and then they beat Miami and Washington. So it's not to sugarcoat it. They've beat five pretty terrible teams. But you have to win those games, and they're winning those games. Uh, you know, they did beat the Titans. I consider sort of a neutral opponent. And then uh, they played New England tough, only a 16-10 final. And, um, you know, a game where the Patriots created a ton of turnovers, but they kept New England's offense in check. And then they did lose to Philly where they gave up an abundance of rushing yards. So it's interesting um, with, with where this team is, um, you know, especially considering – uh, their tempered expectations and the opportunity that is here for the Browns to sort of, um, you know, take advantage of a chance to to turn their season around and a win over a 6-2 and two team at home in front of the crowd that hasn't seen a win all year would be um, a nice way to get going. And I think that they have an opportunity here that is unique and um, exciting for the Browns. And hopefully uh, we can see a better overall performance and a team that's energized, passionate, and ready to uh, attack the second half of the year here. The Bills have a really good defense. It leads the way for them. They have uh, limited uh, opposing offenses to under 200 yards passing five times this year. They have created um, six interceptions, which is a nice number, created a a good number of sacks, um, more than four sacks in four games. And um, passing is is probably a top-four coverage unit on Pro Football Focus. Run game-wise, they have been uh, struggling of late. Four straight games over 100 yards rushing allowed. In those last four games, they've given up six rushing touchdowns. Uh, uh, one of those games went for 218 yards for the Philadelphia Eagles. They gave up another 127 to Washington last week, uh, 109 to Miami, which is not a very good rushing attack and two touchdowns. So the Browns will have opportunities in the run game. I think that will be interesting. As far as uh, Buffalo, they are run-centrically built. Uh, they also have run for over 100 yards in every game but one. That lost to Philadelphia where they were trying to come back. They do not throw the ball for an excessive number of yards. They have only topped out at 241 yards as their peak game. They have five games in which they went over 200, have not hit 250, three games under 200. They are a run-based offense that just looks to score enough points to anchor what is a really, really strong defense. Obviously, Josh Allen leads the way as the quarterback on offense. He's backed up by Matt Barkley. Allen is 148 of 243, 60% completion, 1,653 yards, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. He has not run the ball as much as he did last year. Um, he is He's only run for 247, but he has run for four touchdowns. Seems to be willing to throw the ball more. Frank Gore leads the rushing attack with 106, yard, or sorry, 106 carries, 437 yards, 2 touchdowns. The rookie, Devin Singletary, having a nice year, 267 and 2 touchdowns. That anchors the rushing attack. T.J. Yeldon is around but is not playing much. Ten carries, 45 yards. John Brown leading receiver, 42 grabs, 603 yards, two touchdowns. Cole Beasley, 35 grabs, 337, and three touchdowns. Dawson Knox gets a little bit of run, uh, 14 catches, 192 yards, and a touchdown as their key tight end. They will also use Tyler Croft, uh, former Cincinnati Bengal. He has been beat up a little bit this year, only has two catches for 32 yards, and Tommy Sweeney with three catches for 38 yards. Their other two tight ends, they did trade away Zay Jones, so Duke Williams looks like he gets most of their third receiver targets and might be in flux. He had six catches for 58 yards. So that kind of speaks to uh, their weapons right now. They will put Cole Beasley in the slot and play Duke Williams outside. Andre Roberts, former Jet, uh, also a player that they will use in um, 11 personnel situations as well. They went out and acquired a lot of interior offensive linemen, Quentin Spain, Mitch Morse, who's a very nice center from Kansas City, and John Feliciano. Uh, they they drafted Cody Ford from Oklahoma, who plays right tackle for them, and then left tackle will be Deion Dawkins. I know Ty Nishke there, uh, they signed out of Washington. Had, I think he's battling a little bit of an injury right now. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if he will be 
uh, able to play. As far as guys on their IR, um, you know, offensively, Jason Kroom and Adrian Waddle are on their injured reserve. Uh, guys who are probably going to dress. I think Nishki will dress and play. Uh, Frank Gore, who, who usually gets his early week rest. Cody Ford's battling an elbow. He's limited, but he should play too. Defensively, um, it looks like Levi Wallace is limited with a shoulder. Um, Dawson Knox dealing with a personal issue. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander seems to be coming back. He gets some early season rest. Maybe he didn't miss any time. I'm not entirely sure. Kurt Coleman um, dealing with a little bit of a hamstring. But not, they're pretty healthy. You know, the Bills are, are uh, you know not really missing anybody all too important. Their IR, uh, Harrison Phillips is a heck of a defensive tackle. Vashawn Joseph, who's the rookie from Florida linebacker, are on injured reserve. But this is a healthy team. Uh, a very healthy team. Their defense is very, uh, you know, capable, very strong group. Jordan Poyer, former Brown, is one of their better safeties. He has an interception, 57 tackles, two forced fumbles. Very good football player, Tremaine Edmonds, their linebacker. Played in all eight games, five passes defended, 61 tackles. Very young, but very good. Uh, six tackles for loss. Matt Milano, who's come back healthy for them. Um, played seven games, two passes defended, a fumble recovery, 50 tackles. Very good football player. Levi Wallace, uh, the former Alabama product, who they, they you know got in the later rounds or might even have been an undrafted guy who's been a nice corner opposite uh, Tredavious White. Tredavious White is an elite, elite corner. We'll talk about him in the interview we have coming up. Three interceptions on the year, five passes defended, 35 tackles. Uh, a great player. Micah Hyde is their other safety, 37 tackles. Uh, he has an interception himself, two passes defended and a forced fumble. And I should mention Tredavious White has two forced fumbles. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander, aged player, but a good leader for them, a good veteran presence in that locker room. That's 31 tackles, too. Jerry Hughes, two and a half sacks. Jordan Phillips, their defensive tackle with six sacks, will present a nice challenge inside. Young Ed Oliver, up and down start to his career. Only one sack is started, not started. Um, a hot-button topic. He'll be fine, um, but he's uh, he's going to be an active part. Shaq Lawson, two sacks. Then just a bunch of guys with one. They don't necessarily get after the quarterback all too well. They do have 20 sacks, but... Not a ton of players who stand out in terms of uh, high volume other than Jordan Phillips, who will be, like I said, uh, a very interesting presence for the interior of the Browns' offensive line uh, to deal with. So uh, that's sort of the rundown of their personnel. We're going to have a unique interview coming up, um, one that is, uh, I think, it's neat because I get to answer a lot of questions on the Browns and how it pertains to the Bills and where the Browns are. Um, my, my good friends over at Cover One net who I wrote for for a while, Aaron Quinn is who I'm doing this interview with. He gives good back and forth on where the Bills are, what the Bills fan base is thinking, what their strengths are, some of those things. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview. It's a little different than what we typically do with these uh, podcasts. So uh, yeah, let me know if you like this, you don't like this. I'm trying to give feedback on where the Browns are and um, while also getting you guys information on where the Bills are. So we will be right back with today's interview. Before we get to our interview at CoverOne.net, I'm going to talk to you guys about the fantastic people over at Manscaped, who's the number one operator, provider for equipment and men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's why Manscaped redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so the trimmer won't nick or snag, which is important. Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you do down below the belt. That's just disgusting, as you know. 
hopefully you're not doing that. Manscaped is here to help with that. They got the crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Come on, guys. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. I'm telling you, your nether regions will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping again with the promo code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, we will be right back, jumping in to our Buffalo Bills interview. I'm your host, Aaron Quinn. And tonight we got a really special guest. I'm really excited for this one. It's very rare that uh, when we do another team that we get to do it with somebody that we've worked with in the past. And tonight we have our good friend Jake Burns. Uh, Jake, how you been, man? Since you left the Cover One team, how you doing? It's been up and down, man. I, I've done a I've done a couple different endeavors with Cleveland.com, and then and then where I'm currently at um, with uh, with Scout, which is two four seven, and the Orange and Brown Report, and. Um, it's been it's been a little crazy. It's been a nice second half of last year after um, things started to turn around for him, and then this year it's been a uh, it's been a nosedive. So otherwise, we're good. Family's good. Everything else is is pretty solid. But the football team we cover right now is a bit of a train wreck. I so, bet. Uh, yeah. So last we were talking quite a bit when Tyrod Taylor came over to mm-hmm. to the Browns, and I was like, oh my God, rest in peace your mentions it's going to be horrible if it was anything like the bills and that actually passed pretty quickly not too bad i, I was kind of watching the peripheral nothing yeah. like you're dealing with uh this year and, and yeah yeah i think to the, the the thing that you know tyrod taylor expectations were were managed i think everybody had a a broad set of opinions on him uh, you know and i think that those widens of the spectrum about tyrod sort of balanced out and um you know, he floundered out of here quickly, and that's okay. I mean, you know, it was a bridge anyway, and it, the bridge ended quicker than everyone expected. But with Mayfield, uh, I think everybody was so ready for the, – the thing that's made this year hard, Aaron, is that um, there was no evidence of this coming. There was no evidence of this fall off. Um, you know, people who have tried to predict it, it's, it's, been a little, it's been a little interesting to me to watch people who have tried to predict it, predict it, because there's no empirical evidence that's showing it. Yeah. Um, sorry, that showed it was coming. Um, now there's, you know, I talked to you about this before we started this, but there's a ton of people that want to know what the hell is wrong. And, uh, we're going to touch on this a lot, uh, I'm sure as we go, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a myriad of things. It's not just Baker. It's not just, um, you know, the offensive line. It's not just play calling. It's a mixture. And, um, you know, I think that's, what's been the, the most difficult thing for the Browns fan base is going from, we have this guy, we finally got a guy, which is what I know Bill's fans are feeling, uh, you know, is, is Josh Allen is getting better. And, um, you know, that feeling of we think we got our guy. I think we're kind of both there. We think we got our guy. Could things change on a whim? Sure. That's what happened here. But it didn't happen on a whim. It happened like falling off a cliff. And it's just been so uncontrollable. And so what the hell happened that um, it's been tough. It's been tough on the fan base and it's been tough on everybody. And the losing partnered with for quarterback play has been uh, it's been a challenge. Yeah, and I so I'm usually the guy that uh, it's kind of a running joke of pump the brakes uh, in mm-hmm. our chat rooms and stuff like that. Of well, let's see till things come out, and I, especially when um, a team will get a lot of guys in the spring or bring in a bunch of guys, and uh, you hear the ESPNs and the Good Morning Football start to crown them early. Uh, but with the Browns, I 
usually want to be that guy, but it was really hard for me to see all the pieces coming together. I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan and to see all those pieces coming together and say, Holy cow. Like there's also a part of me that wants the Browns to succeed. There's kind of that similarity between the two cities, the two franchises. Mm -hmm. And if, if there's anyone in the league, especially in the AFC, I don't want to see any really AFC team succeed. If there is one though, that I want to see get over that hump, it's, it's a team like the Browns. And so I kind of bought into that too. And I think for everyone, it was hard to not buy into yeah. all those things and be excited for Cleveland. Um, and, and then one thing with the NFL season, that's really tough. And I think your fans probably are having a tough time dealing with this is it is a short season. If you don't start out and you start spinning your wheels, man, it is really tough to rebound from that. It doesn't make you a, a bad team. I think the bills have played a number of teams that are, uh, mediocre this year that just are spinning their tires and they can't seem to find ways to win games but they're in games and I think that's from the few games that I've watched it seems like a few things get out of control uh, but they never are fully out of the game they still kind of continue on playing the game and they just can't seem to get out of their own way and then you're eight, you're already blank and it's eight weeks eight weeks through the season and then it feels like sort of a lost year. Yeah, I think everybody looked at the Browns' schedule and had a pretty good feeling that it was going to be a, a, an extremely difficult start. Right. Um, you know, if you look at where they started the year, Tennessee, although Tennessee is not uber-talented, they are always a team who plays to their competition and um, is, is a team that has had cohesiveness over the last three years, three nine and seven finishes. That's a tough way to start because you're facing a team who's very in sync, very used to each other. Cleveland wasn't. That's fine. You go – as the season gets going, 49ers, who I figured were going to be a better football team, that panned out. It's obviously panned out. Yeah. Um, you know, you obviously talk about New England. You talk about how good Seattle is. They've, they've played a very challenging start to the year. Everybody knew that when we looked at it. They said, okay, chop this thing in half. You have to come out of the first eight games four and four, three and four, four and four. Then you give yourself a chance in the second half against um, – which has panned out into the worst – other than Buffalo, it is the worst schedule – um, one of the worst, maybe the second worst schedule remaining in terms of just winning percentage. So there are opportunities to win, but you cannot start two and six. And they let games like the Rams slip away. They let games like Seattle slip away. Games that they had a very fair chance to win. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, this Denver game that they just played, those games, you know, those games flip. And there's sometimes just one play. Like you mentioned, there's, there's any, you know, even look at the Titans game. It was a 15-13 game going into the fourth quarter. They've been in games. They're talented. But what we've come to understand about and this is, you know, it's a topic of discussion amongst Browns fans and, and, and um, you know, board postings and all of these things, which is John Dorsey has done a great job acquiring talent. He is, he is an off-season winning guy. He acquires talent. But does he understand how to build a team? Those are different concepts, collecting talent against what team building is. I think Buffalo's got a sense of team building going. I think the Colts have a sense of team building. New England has always had a grasp for team building. Right. I just don't know that there's an understanding of what it takes to build culture and team building um, within the, the offices in Berea. And, um, you know, like you said, though, a couple plays flip here or there. They're, they're, they're maybe a 500 team right now. But at the end of the day, they lead the NFL in penalties and yardage uh, among penalties, and they're turning the football over to high clip, and that's undisciplined football. So you probably don't deserve to be four and four. So they are where they are, or sorry, they are where they are, uh, for lack of a better cliche. Their goal right now has to be to get to six and six, though. They have to try to get to six and six. Um, if you can do that, which four games, this one being uber challenging to start. But then you have the next three games are very winnable. And then you go into the last four games with Arizona, um, a game against Cincinnati, a game against uh, Miami, and a game against Baltimore that could get you to, to nine or ten wins. So that's where they're trying to get to. Uh, it's not all lost. Two and six feels like, 
your season could be over. I get it. A lot of Browns fans are sort of doing the, the doom and gloom. But, uh, um, yeah, that's where we're at. Two and six is a challenge to, to start the year. We thought that they had a better chance toward 500, and they were a couple plays away. But they deserve uh, to be in a bet that they've made. It's tough because it, we're dealing with this with the Bills fans, even though they're six and two, uh, the, everybody wants immediate success. So a big topic this week was Ed Oliver uh, seeing a, a dip in his snap percentage and, and not starting anymore. And obviously everybody wants Josh Allen to be a world beater in his mm-hmm. 18th, 19th start. Um, and, and I'm trying to connect that to Cleveland in the sense that everybody wants things now. Um, and there's plenty of time left with Baker Mayfield. There's plenty of time left with all these guys that you've acquired talent wise. And so uh, it can't be all doom and gloom. There's got to be some excitement over there in Cleveland. Like you said, you out of all the two and six, uh, three win teams, they're still probably the most talented. I know Sean McDermott got ripped uh, by our local media a little bit here today because he was asked about the Browns. He said, he says it every week, every coach is going to say, this is a talented team. They got a lot of talent, all this stuff like that. And people were like laughing at him. Oh, Cleveland's a tire fire. And I'm kind of saying, Hey guys, careful. Because when you actually watch this team, yes, the record looks like a tire fire. And yes, the, the Baker interview ended poorly the other day or, you know, a week ago. And it looks bad. The optics look bad, but this team is not the New York jets. This is not a a tire fire. This, this franchise is in shambles. This is a franchise that I think still in the next three years is going to be an ascending franchise within the division as soon as they figure it out. And like you said, change the turnover ratio, clean up the penalties and you do those two things alone. And you say you're a 500 team already. Yeah. And this is a, this this is kind of a dangerous game for Buffalo in terms of trap games. Cause if you look at like, if you look at like, you know, Cleveland just got trapped game by Denver. And all it takes is, uh, you know, Cortland Sutton catches a, a ridiculous throw over the top of Denzel Ward. You, you get beat on one play action where you miss a tackle and it's a 75-yard touchdown. And then all of a sudden you're down 14-3 and you're pressing. And you, 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 you maybe turn the ball. This is um, – Cleveland, you're right. That's a great point you made. Cleveland is a very talented, individual-based talented team. They have not put it together. They have not put it together for four quarters in any game that they have played. The numbers show it. The film shows it. It all lines up. But if they do, they're good. They can mm-hmm. play with people. They have the talent to play with people to the point that if you let Odell Beckham, who has not gone off in a game, he could be due for a game that he goes off. You just never know. The NFL is a wicked and wild SOB, and it changes every week. And if you take somebody lightly, it takes a couple plays, and that's all it takes to swing a game in the NFL. So I'm sure Sean McDermott is telling his guys and showing them film and talking about these guys are because he'd be silly not to do that oh, yeah. the same way the Browns would be silly not to go into Denver thinking that they're talented but it is a game where you you can get caught up in like you said the terrible optics they're two and six these guys are trash it's the same old Browns that stuff can happen and it's dangerous and it creeps into minds and I'm sure that that is the biggest thing that McDermott is trying to fight this week well let's kind of flip the kind of overarching big picture view to the bills I know that you kind of keep an eye on these guys peripherally they are six and two a lot of the wins with are being criticized uh, uh, as weak wins. You know, their schedule has not been a strong schedule. They've, they've come back and beat some teams that are probably they should have dominated. Uh, they've had a pretty rough stretch here over the last three games uh, running defense. They've been a pretty excellent defense up until the last three weeks. They've been exposed over the last three weeks. Uh, really got punched in the mouth by Miami. If it wasn't for a Tredavious White interception in the end zone, that game gets yeah. away from them, and that's Miami's first win right there. So 
yes, they are six and two, but is very much a vulnerable team. And like you said, I think I think the talent of the Cleveland Browns beats out the talent of the Buffalo Bills. But if the Buffalo Bills, it's a matter of playing clean football, playing team yeah. football. Um, but I, I'd like to get your view kind of of this team overall as a, as a not a fan. Yeah, I think you mentioned earlier about um, you know the two franchises mirroring each other, and they have a lot of they have a lot of weird similarities. I know Buffalo's had you know better success over the past few decades and, and, uh, and, and dating back into the nineties, obviously. And, um, but there's been a, there's been a similar struggle. There's been a similar um, forgotten feeling that I'm sure you guys get up there the same way we get in Cleveland. Um, and there's been a sort of similar rebuild path. There's been some similar crossover players. A lot of quarterbacks. Um, there's been a similar quarter. Yeah. And the similar 2018 quarterback draft class parallels. It's, it's, it's a team that I've always, you know, dating back to when I found you guys at cover one and what you do. And really what I tried to do with my Browns film breakdown site, originally YouTube channel podcast was all built on what I love that cover one did. I thought he did a fantastic job and Eric did a fantastic job over there covering that team. And I thought Cleveland needed something like it. So I tried to cultivate it. And I've always paid close attention to the bills because of it, because I think they're a fun franchise. And, you know, a lot of people in the Browns fan base, when they hired Hugh Jackson, they, there was a, a consensus that they wanted Sean McDermott, that um, a lot of the board voted to, to, to pick Sean McDermott, but they were overruled by the owner to, to select Hugh Jackson. So it's always been like, what's Sean McDermott doing? We really like this guy. Um, so, yeah, there's just a ton of connections. Jordan Poyer, among many others. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're an up-and-coming football team who has found their groove in, in um, you know, some favorable games, but you, you know, you, you win those games. You have to beat who's on the schedule. And um, I would rather, to be honest with you, I'd rather come out of the first half of the year, six and two with some games that maybe, man, we probably could have lost that game, but we won it. Then go into it two and six or three and, you know, three and five, you got to win games. And then from there you get confidence, you get the feeling for, Hey, this is what it takes to win on Sundays. Sure. The competition level might step up, but you haven't dropped any games. You weren't supposed to you weren't supposed to uh, necessarily win. So I, I think Buffalo has a lot going for them, obviously on the defensive side of the football with Edmonds and White and, and Poyer and Hyde and, um, you know, plethora of those guys. I loved Ed Oliver. It was a shame the Browns were too far down to get him, even if they kept their first round pick. So we were big Ed Oliver people, um, you know, among many other players on that defensive roster who I think are phenomenal. Wallace is, is a good player. Um, you know, from, from afar, I'm not up to it on every single day. I got to really dig out. We do a behind enemy lines thing on Friday. So I spend all day Thursday kind of checking over uh, the other team, but I've kept up with afar. I really like Devin Singletary. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, I think he's a good football player, very shifty, uh, does a nice job with patience. Contact balance is good. Frank Gore is a great mentor for him. Frank Gore is just the OG man. You love that guy. Um, I've, I've enjoyed seeing Josh improve. Uh, I think that he's done some really nice things. He's, he's certainly, um, has some things he's still trying to figure out. His downfield passing is something that he's trying to figure out, and I think it'll come with time. I think that he is going to be a quarterback in the league for a long time. His ceiling is still as high as it was when they drafted him, but I think his floor has raised, and I think that's an important part of things for any quarterback. And I, I was hard on Josh coming out. I did not think he was the right pick at first for Cleveland, um, but I do think that there were people that took it too far. I think there were people that were trying to say, this guy can't make it. He's not. No, he, he's the right type. And I think if he got in the right offense, which I think Brian Dable's done some things for him that have helped him and the continuity of year to year has helped him as well. And I think he's going to be a top half of the league quarterback. Can he get to that level where he's a top 10, top five guy? I don't know. I think it depends on how comfortable of a scheme he gets in. Um, can he become one of those guys who are scheme, uh, you know, I, I call them, 
you know, sort of uh, the, the, the group that is, it doesn't matter about scheme. They're, they're, they, they can overcome anything. The Deshaun Watson types that have um, been able to prove that they can get over anything. Maybe he gets there. I don't know. It all depends on how the game slows down. And he has the athletic ability. He has the arm strength. It's, uh, it's just about the cerebral side of things and, and making good decisions. And, 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 you know, the thing is that window's still open for him to do it. The same way I think it is still there for Mayfield. Um, but it's, you know, the year two curve. I think we got – what happened is Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, those guys ruin what year twos look like. Sometimes yeah. year twos don't look like those years. And I think people get caught up, myself included, get caught up on, well, these guys have got to take Jared Goff. The year two leap is what they have to do. That's not necessarily the case. It's not a linear path to, to quality quarterbacking. And, um, you know, maybe these guys have a little bit of a bump in the road, Sam included, and, and maybe they, uh, they figure it out. I, I, it's, it's way too early to have judgments. But what I do like is that Josh is improving and he's gotten better from year one to year two. And Buffalo fans should be very encouraged by that. And they did a great job of surrounding him with talent, which you guys all know. I think that John Brown's a fantastic um, receiver who doesn't get enough credit in this league. Cole Beasley's a maestro underneath, just a quick, shifty guy who can get in and out of cuts, and he's fun as hell. And um, I think they've done a nice job of putting talent around him. Dawson Knox has some potential. I've seen some things from him I like. I haven't seen enough to really give a full answer on him, but I liked him coming out, felt good enough about him, um, you know, to at least have been comfortable if Cleveland wanted to take him. So, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge for Cleveland because they're very aggressive. They, they're they're, they're super um, zealous, I guess is the word, in play action. They can be taken advantage of defensively. Their front four is solid. They're good. They can get after the passer, but you can screen game the hell out of them. And, um, you know, so, so on the other side of things, I think it's going to be fascinating defensively to watch how they handle Cleveland's run game because uh, that's one thing Cleveland does pretty well. Denver boxed them in, did a nice job in being patient and lane discipline. But if you're if you're too quick to fight over a gap or you're too quick to leave your gap to go after Nick Chubb, that guy is as patient uh, a, a player as there is a running back in the NFL. And he has the vision that is really top-notch in the league, and he will make you pay if you are not disciplined with run fits. So Absolutely. if that is a problem, he will make you pay. Denver is the first team that really did a nice job anchoring run fits on him. And um, – uh, he had, I think, 10 carries for 65 yards. But if you let him get off, he will get off. But uh, how Mayfield is able to navigate this secondary that is just playing phenomenal football, one of the top four coverage units for pro football focus, uh, and, 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 you know, what their game plan is, because the Browns have only taken three shots downfield of 40 yards or more. They're not taking deep downfield shots. They're not taking 30-yard throws like they did last year. So teams are scrunching toward the line of scrimmage. Second level's getting tighter. Mayfield's windows are getting tighter. Can they continue to make Cleveland feel compressed uh, in that secondary? I think that they will do a good job with that. So well, yeah, I, it's, well, a, it's a lot. That's a lot I'm throwing at you. But it's, Yeah, it's, no, it's, let's it's flip it back. I want to focus a little bit more on the offense and uh, our offensive matchup versus your defensive matchup because mm-hmm. even before I started watching the Cleveland Browns and, and what you guys have been able to do on that side of the ball, the, the talent on that side of the ball, especially along the defensive line, has scared me. The Bills brought in a lot of guys along the offensive line this year. Uh, I think that fans got a little overzealous of the the upgrade because it was one of the maybe historically worst offensive lines last year along with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and it, I think they got to about below average when it was all said and done. I love the addition of Mitch Morris, obviously. I was a little higher on what Ty Nsecki would actually bring. He's done an okay job. But anyways, uh, they've upgraded that line. But when I look across at the 
the Cleveland Browns and I see the talent, the Miles Garrett, you know, like that specifically scares me. Deion Dawkins has had a nice rebound year so far this year. I don't know what the Bills are going to be able to do to kind of contain your guys' pass rush and keep Josh Allen upright because Josh Allen is prone to fumbling. He's been prone to turnovers. And a lot of that comes when it's applied pressures. Uh, the, the, the Browns have the ability to get to the quarterback. We saw him do it against Tom Brady. We've seen him do it all year long, really. If you're the bills, what having watched the Browns and monitored that defense, what would you do to try to keep a freak like miles Garrett at bay uh, and, and try to keep Josh Allen clean this week? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's, you mentioned miles, which is obviously the, the, the headliner that they've done. They've got nice things from Sheldon Richardson who they yeah. signed along the, the interior. Larry Joby does okay. Not quite as good as we hoped he would be, but he's done okay. And then uh, Olivier Vernon has been a very, very, very nice con- contribution on the opposite side that they brought him over from New York. So they have four guys who are very capable. Um, if I were really concerned, about how I was going to keep my quarterback clean. I would watch two games. I would watch Denver um, that they just played. Miles was nullified in the past game. And then I would go back and watch Tennessee because they were without, they were without Taylor Luan in that game, and they did a nice job of uh, managing pressure. But what teams have done is they've, they've been in run formations often. They've been aggressive in how they approach run game, running at Miles, making him defend the run, wearing him down on first and second down so that on third down he can't pin his ears back with full stamina and get after the quarterback. But they've used wide receiver chips. They've used tight end chips. Yeah. or full-on tight end pass-off blocking, where that's 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, and then he can go after the tackle. And um, they've done a nice job using play action to slow him down. So – I would watch those games because those guys are shorthanded. And if you have a big concern about blocking this Browns front, I would, I would genuinely go about it with a cautious approach at um, almost that cautious aggression where you, you pick and choose where you, sh- you take shots downfield. You stay out of unprotected tackle situations in the gun, whether it's five wide or whether it's just one back in the backfield. I would stay out of those as, is, is, you know, if you really feel like you can't handle them, I would stay out of those situations and try to stay in front of the sticks as much as you can so that there's a little bit more run pass unpredictability. Because if you allow Miles to be one-on-one often and say, yeah. yeah, 35 snaps where you're going to throw the football and you allow him to get 25 of those with nobody helping your tackle, um, you're probably going to give up a sack or two. He's just that talented and they got guys around him who can get there too. So I think you really need to get in run formations often, play action them, use your tight ends, use your uh, speedy wide receivers to get into situations where you're getting wide receivers on crossing routes against linebackers and safeties who have not done a good job covering the middle of the field. The Browns get obliterated by tight ends. Opposing tight ends just kill them week to week, and it is largely due to terrible eye discipline and play action. Noah Fant went for 115 yards. That rookie's on my fantasy team, and let me tell you, he hadn't done anything like that all year until they played Cleveland, uh, amongst many other tight ends who have continued to get off against Cleveland for the past three, four years. So I would be aggressive with the middle of the field, but I would make sure to use play action make sure to use chipping techniques, make sure to use line slide techniques and stay out of situations where Josh is a sitting duck in the backfield and can be picked on. And that fumbling situation, like you mentioned, can become a a problem. And you just don't want Josh to feel panicked the same way. I don't want Baker to feel panicked right now uh, because those happy feet and those mechanics start to slide downhill. And then that's when sailed passes happen. That's when throws that are just not pinpoint tend to happen to these guys. So 
um, yeah, that's kind of where they're at with, uh, with their defense. Yeah, no, it's interesting you mentioned that because Eric and I talk a bunch and we talked with our members in the Slack channel about I think that Josh has performed the best in play action. So I think that actually plays to his strengths right now because you, we saw it last week against the Redskins. It really opens up the middle of the field for him. And it, when you have a smart, intelligent route runner like Cole Beasley or, or, or John Brown who can come back you know, run nice hitches. You can really open up some stuff for Josh. So I think that does play to some of his strengths. Something I ask uh, my guests every week, and we haven't seen a ton of it this year from Josh Allen though, is how do the, your, how does your team so far held up with athletic quarterbacks? Because even though he hasn't, rushed for a crazy amount like he did for a stretch last year that threat's still there it's still on film you guarantee Wilkes is thinking about that and how to contain him and it also impacts the pass rush a lot of teams you know when they play quarterback like that tend to stay more in their lanes instead of letting guys just rip and and open up some running lanes how do you think the Browns are going to try to keep Josh Allen in the pocket and make him a passer well last week they they struggled on a few key third downs keeping Brandon Allen in the pocket they got undisciplined they chased inside um, and allowed him to run for a first down on third and 11 and I think they allowed him to run for a big chunk of yards on the on the second and 14 or something I don't I I mean they just have to they have to be run gap discipline I think they have to be the type of you know where where if you have an advantageous move take it and beat somebody but if not get your hands locked into a chest and be ready to knock a ball down or be ready to shed and shuck and get after him if you see him duck his eyes and take off so uh, I would imagine they're preaching it. They play Lamar Jackson twice a year, so they, they certainly know how to handle these guys. Um, but Lamar Jackson comes from a different offense where it's an entirely different approach. So, uh, you know, they haven't – I mean, they played Russell Wilson and they did a fine job against Russell Wilson, but they were very patient. They did not really um, shoot up field. They didn't – they really did a lot of lock and, lock and shuck type stuff where they were at the line of scrimmage, patient – waiting on him to make a decision. I would expect them to do that. So Josh needs to make sure that he's settled, trusting what's going on in front of him, understanding that the Browns will probably be patient at the line of scrimmage, ready to take on anything that he does in terms of running. And I would bet that the Browns game plan is make Josh beat us with his arm uh, because that's, that's what they want to see. And I'm sure that's most teams approach right now. Hell that's most teams approach with Baker Mayfield, keep him in the pocket and make him beat us with the arm with the arm. So uh, I would expect them to have a similar game plan. And if you guys really want to go back and watch how that, that Seattle technique worked, they were for the most part. Okay. Seattle, Seattle is just a different animal because Russ is 20 big time throws in eight games is ridiculous. And they run some rub routes that are wild that, that do a nice job, but they did a pretty solid job of keeping him contained. Um, so if you're really interested, that would be the game to go back and watch how they'll play. I would expect them to do something very similar. I do think sometimes they'll pin their ears back. Um, and try to go after him and play zone behind it so that they can keep their eyes upfield at the quarterback and be able to do adjust and take off if they need to. But uh, I think, like you said, it'll be a big point of emphasis that they don't want Josh getting out on third downs and picking up a ton of first downs with his legs to keep those drives going. Denzel Ward is a dude I love. I loved him in the draft. I love his game. Uh, I think we're starting to get to the point. I don't know if the Browns uh, shadow particular receivers at all this year but I think we're starting to get to the point where John Brown is a guy that would be considered uh maybe probably the only real threat in the passing game for the Bills would they even consider shadowing him or how do you think they plan on keep limiting the only like real wide receiving threat from this team yeah they probably will they when they were playing last year um um, Denzel shadowed John Brown with the Ravens in the first matchup when he was still playing with Flacco, yeah. um, where he was a bigger part of the threat run or pass game wise when, when Lamar took over the end of the year. 
he was just sort of a non-factor because they didn't know how the hell to get him the ball. So um, I do think that they will probably shadow him. He played John really well, and he has played John really well. He's the type of receiver that he matches up really well against. The Browns struggle with opposing quarter – or sorry, opposing wide receivers who are big physical guys, guys who really hurt them this year. A.J. Brown, week one, hurt them uh, big time. He's a very good big guy, you know, Ole Miss product, very good player, uh, big physical body. D.K. Metcalf hurt them big time against Seattle, and uh, Cortland Sutton hurt them as well. Those are the types who have hurt them and hurt Denzel, uh, those guys with big size, big frames. They are pretty typically at least have been okay against the smaller types because that's the body type uh, in general that Denzel has and, and Greedy has as well, Greedy Williams, their other starting corner. So um, this probably is a favorable wide receiver matchup for Cleveland, but TJ Carey against Cole Beasley in the slot will be pretty fascinating. Carey's been playing outside a lot because, um, you know, Carey is a, a guy who can fill in. The Browns lost Denzel and Greedy for five weeks in the right. middle of this whole season, and they sort of suffered um, because TJ is not a great outside guy, but he is a much more comfortable and much more capable nickel corner. Um, so that matchup will be a swing matchup in my opinion. Opinion because if Cole can continue to get loose against him, it will it will give Cleveland some fits. The way um, you know, I think Edelman did a nice job in the slot against Cleveland, but they they found ways to work him in zone, um, uh, find some wiggle room for him there. So uh, that'll that'll be a fascinating matchup. But as far as your, your original question, Denzel and John Brown, it'll it'll be a shadow situation probably. Maybe they feel a little bit more comfortable this year because Greedy's a good man-to-man corner type two who can run with John. So that one will they they may not, but I would guess they will since Greedy Sarah, sorry, since Denzel's had some success against John in the past. Yeah, no, I agree. And I would love to see Cole Beasley have a big game instead of John Brown because he's had nice production, I think probably silent production for Bills fans, but it would be nice to see him have a kind of coming out game here halfway through the season. Let's flip it over to the other side because that was all the talk of the Cleveland Browns going into this year, what they what Baker Mayfield was able to do at the end of last year. Um, and, and I think Bills fans kind of don't want to admit it. There's a lot of uh, – us feeling like all the other 2018 quarterbacks have to do poorly for Josh to succeed. So nobody wants to admit when somebody's done something well, uh, but Baker did great. And they brought him the Calvary really, you know, you get OBJ, the most dynamic guy. Again, Bill's fans kind of laughed at Cleveland when they got him, but you, I'll tell you what Bill's Twitter, when they heard that he was on the trade block were saying, give it all, you know, give, give everything for this guy. He's dynamic. So uh, I really like the weapons that you guys have on that side of the ball. Like you said, though, it hasn't quite all come together yet. How does Freddie Kitchens kind of, I think partially, and you can answer this, I think he's gotten maybe a little too smart for his own good with this offense a little bit. And I think this would be a good week to bring it back because the Bills do play very sound discipline, especially in the pass game. You're not going to trick them with a lot of stuff. I think you just have to come out and play pretty simple, sound discipline football and not let them uh, create any turnovers or capitalize on your mistakes. How do you think Freddie Kitchens is looking at this Bills defense so far? Um, obviously, the run game, leaky at best, and you guys have one of the most dynamic running backs in the league. What's he looking at this defense, and how does do you think he plans on attacking it? Well, if I were him, um, you know, I would do everything I can to make Buffalo respect running the football. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean turning and handing it off the first 15 plays of the game. But it could mean extensive play action. And, um, you know, it, it could mean force feeding the ball to Odell. I think Odell's frustrated. Um, he's not been a negative influence on things. He's not been cancerous in any way. But he is frustrated. As any guy whose team is two and six, you know, he, he, uh, he wants to win. He, he, 
he wants to win and when they're not winning and he's not getting the ball, it's a combination there that is going to lead to some frustration. Now they're talking this week about really trying to emphasize getting the football. Baker Mayfield is not a feed a single player type of guy. He is a guy who tries to find the open player on every throw, whether that's Demetrius Harris or whether that's, you know, Ricky Seals Jones or Odell Beckham. I Listen, I'm not sure if he's fit for a big time receiver. I think he's just fit for guys who are solid and tight ends who are dynamic and they can use in different ways. So I'm fascinated this last half of the year to see if he even is a guy who should be playing with a wide receiver who demands the football because he doesn't like to play that way. So um, it's going to be interesting. There was, like I said, some chatter about forcing him the ball, getting him involved more often. So that will probably be emphasized. But if Cleveland's going to win, as their formula has been, they're going to get something from Nick Chubb. They're going to get a, a big something. They're going to try to get him as involved as they can initially and in the middle, try to maybe jump out on some play. Like I said, they've only attempted three throws above, you know, 40 yards. They've only attempted, I think, 19 above uh, 25 yards. So they're not throwing the football downfield. So the wrinkle would be you zig to the zag. Maybe this week they come out trying to take some deep shots and um, it would make a lot of sense to me to sort of loosen up the – because the Bills did a good job in run defense because their safeties were active part of run fits. If the Browns can't drive the football downfield against teams that have safeties being active parts of the run fits at or near the line of scrimmage, um, you know, you got a big problem because they have weapons. They have Antonio Callaway that can run. They have Odell who can do some things, obviously. Jarvis is a middle-of-the-field operator. Um, so – you know, if I'm if I'm looking at a necessary game plan and involves getting Nick involved in wide zone, getting him involved in pen pull stuff that they've been good at, and then taking some shots downfield off of play action, making making sure that Nick Chubb, even if he's not running the football, is a valuable asset to the offense through deception. So that's where I would be sort of thinking Freddie needs to look at um, is, is 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 early on play action, early down play action, and then using Nick Chubb to ice ice a game away at the end. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with you at all. And it terrifies me, uh, the idea of what Nick Chubb, even like you said, in that play action game, because I think it's been stressed here by local reporters. It's been stressed here by the coaching staff over the last few weeks. The run game's the hottest topic in town. Uh, they, they said it was fixed. They came out. Adrian Peterson put up 100 yards in the first half. It looked like he was on his way to a 200-yard day. They did fix some of the stuff uh, in the second half. Now, can the Bills do that for a full game and put it together? I think the pressure's on the only thing that concerns me there and you know this is when that type of pressure and narrative just gets built you start to press some of that stuff and and when it comes into the run game and the play action game like you said if they come out and they just start throwing some play action you're pressing on the run and stuff starts to open up Uh, and that is a big concern for me in this matchup the thing I think I'm most excited about watching it's going to be really hard to watch on the broadcast view and that's probably my biggest disappointment is Tredavious White versus Odell Beckham Jr. Because I, I think Tredavious White's by far the best player on the Buffalo Bills. I think he's by far MVP. I think he should be in consideration for All-Pro. I don't know if he'll ever get there because Buffalo is Buffalo, and you just don't get that kind of hype for a guy like that. He hasn't been tested the way Odell Beckham Jr. tests people. He is just such a dynamic wide receiver. And if they're trying to force him the ball, if that's, you know, our narrative is the run game and fixing the run game. If your narrative is getting Odell Beckham the ball and they're really making a concerted effort to do that, I think this could be a really interesting swing matchup and and Mm -hmm. a test to see if my opinion of Trey White's true, that he is an all-pro. If he can go out, I'm not expecting him to shut OBJ down, but if he can test OBJ on everything and stays with him, this could be a really big pivotal game for him in his career. Yeah. And I I think Odell has faced a really good slate of corners um, to, 
to, to begin the year. He's faced uh, Shaquille Griffin, who's doing a fantastic job in Seattle, sort of flying under the radar like Jadavius White is there in Buffalo. Uh, but, you know, Chris Harris and, uh, um, you know, Stephon Gilmore, he's played some really good guys who have, who have given him good matchups, but he's also been open in those games, and they haven't found him. So I do think you're right. I think it's going to be a fascinating matchup. I think Odell brings out a, a, a certain level of play from opposing corners. They really like that challenge. He's that, he's that guy. He's that guy that you raise your, you know, your eyebrows go up as an opposing player and say, we got to figure out how to stop him or I got to be on my A game to play him. And um, I, I do think – I wish there was an ISO camp. That would be a lot of fun because those two will go at it. And I think that, they, like you said, um, and like the Browns are saying, they, they are making an emphasis to, to try to get the ball in 13's hands, at least give him more opportunities. He's, his, his target numbers, especially inside the red zone, he's like 89th in the NFL in targets. And, and he's he, – you know, Jarvis Landry sees a bulk of the targets – uh, the way things are structured in Cleveland and the way Baker's playing and the way he's seeing the field. So if they're going to put an emphasis on getting the ball to 13, it is going to be um, a matchup that we'll probably see a good bit of. And um, uh, I would bet that the winner of that matchup probably belongs to the winning team at the end of the game, because, um, you know, if, if Odell gets off, I think it'll be a challenge for Buffalo's defense then to be worried and sending shading help. And then you're looking at running lanes that come with that. Um, so, but it, you know, I've seen some questions about the O line. Their offensive line is 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 individually not very good. They have some players, J.C. Treader and Joel Batonio at center and left guard, right tackle. Our boy Chris Wyatt Teller. Is, yeah, well, Wyatt played last week. They finally started him. He hadn't been playing at all. They finally gave him his first start. Uh, it was uneven. Didn't run block very well. Didn't really get to finishing things like you would have hoped. Um, had some nice individual pass protection sets. Didn't do a very good job passing off and communicating twists and exchanges and double teams in pass protection where they're letting one slide at the end to chip somewhere. He had a couple breakdowns there. But they were starting Eric Cush, who's terrible. So if Wyatt can just have a pulse and be decent, uh, it could be a player that helps them. He was okay. He needs to be better this week. Their right side is the big issue because it's Wyatt taking over, and then Chris Hubbard has just been abysmal at right tackle. So that is a place that the Browns are concerned about. Greg Robinson, they benched against New England. I don't know why. Greg Robinson's been fine at left tackle for the most part. He's had a couple plays where you watch the film and you're like, what the hell was that? But for the most part, he's been fine. And then obviously uh, Joel and, and Treader have been uh, – they're better players throughout the year. But it's just a line that lacks cohesion. It's a line that is, is missing a key block when they need it. They're one block away. And um, they have not been able to string together, you know, the success that they were able to string together the last half of last year where Baker Mayfield was only hit like 11 times over the course of eight games. They haven't been able to do that. Um, and, and really a big reason why is because they've been consistently behind the sticks, whether it's the silly penalties or taking a loss on first down. They lead the league in snaps in second and 15 and third and 10 or more. Um, they've been behind the sticks all year. So, um, you know, a, a below-average offensive line that has caused problems. They have not been the biggest problem, but they have not been something that has helped the situation offensively. So uh, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how Buffalo is able to get after Cleveland without blitzing people. And then to your original point, if they have to send help to 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 Tre'Davious because things maybe get rough, that would open up a lot of things for Cleveland. But if you can leave Tre'Davious on an island, you can you can you can shut down those force-fed targets to 13, and you can creep people down toward the box. Then you know you're playing football that the Browns have struggled with, and I'm pretty certain a turnover or two will take place because of a pressing nature that has been a pretty recurring theme. 
Now, so we know the big names. When I was watching a few games here over the last couple of days, some of the maybe not so well-known names continue to come up. And I think you nailed it already when you talked about Baker Mayfield in that he likes to spread the ball around, that the ball's not always going uh, to the top receivers. You see a lot of touches for Demetrius Harris. You're even seeing uh, Kitchens getting Hillard involved in the game. I saw, I know uh, one of the Cleveland Bee reporters was on our local radio station here, WGR, saying he doesn't want to see Hillard getting the ball on third and short. He'd rather see Chubb getting those carries but it's that tells me that the coaching staff believes in these guys and some of these less lesser name guys that maybe bills fans don't know or you know they don't follow because of fantasy football or whatever it is who do you think could have the biggest type of impact on this game that's kind of trending in the right direction right now well they bring kareem hunt back um he this is this is first game back from an eight game suspension so i would imagine you see him and not dontrell hilliard uh third down situations passing situations you know spelling Nick Chubb that's what kind of snap what kind of role are you expecting him to come right into tough to tell I mean this is his first game he didn't play in the preseason I don't know where they're at with it I would think he's going to probably get 25 snaps maybe which is probably about fitting um you know he can do obviously people forget Kareem made a terrible life decision and that's your personal preference whether you I believe in second chances for things of that nature. Not not my discussion to have with people, but um, he's a really good football player. Super people football. forget that he was one of the best, if not the best running back in his, his time playing there for a year and a half. Um, so he brings a lot. I mean, he brings a dynamic skill set that is already a dynamic skill set that is a Nick Chubb. So I don't know how they're going to play him. This will be our first true look at the data. Like I said, I, I would imagine they give Dontra Hilliard about 15 snaps a game, give him about six touches, seven touches a game. Um, so maybe 15 to 12 to 15 touches if they're on the field, they, they, they play 65, 70 snaps, um, something along those lines. I think they're going to try to actively get the football into his hands a few times, do some things for him. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. But, but I think, you know, Demetrius Harris, will get, he loves targeting tight ends. I think the Browns are going to probably focus on – they're missing David Njoku, their, their, their starting tight end um, that, has, that has been a good football player for them for the past years. He broke his wrist week two. He won't be back for another few weeks. So um, – but, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones took a knee, uh, had a knee hyperextension. He's day-to-day. He might not play – they're very short-handed at tight end. They, they lost Barrow Brown uh, to a concussion – and they, they are dealing with Ricky Seals Jones' knee issue. They, they brought up a kid, Stephen Carlson, uh, UDFA guy who was an Ivy League kid who wasn't very good last week. So that probably hurts them a little bit. But their wide receiver depth is there. They're going to sit in 11 personnel. They're going to play Callaway, Landry. Uh, they'll bring Richard Higgins in some, and then obviously OBJ. But they haven't been that great in 11 personnel, and I'm not sure Baker functions best out of 11 personnel, but I think they're forced or pigeonholed into it right now. So if you're looking for somebody who might have a really breakout game, I think Jarvis Landry is always a threat because he operates so well over the middle of the field. You let him get loose. He's tough to bring down. Not fast, but shifty, tough. Um, He's targeted a lot, and when you're targeted a lot, you get the most opportunity. But if they're going to try to push the football downfield and they're going to go away from Tredavious, they might look to try to test Wallace, and they might test him with Antonio Callaway, who can really run. So that could be a long shot guy who could put up maybe a four for 80 or a three for 90, something silly if he gets loose. So um, that's something to be prepared for. I, I, they're, they're an offense that is no identity yet. So it's tough to sit here and say, well, they're going to give all of these to the, I don't know. They're unpredictable, yeah. man. They're yeah. trying to find who the hell they are. So we're, we're struggling figuring out um, 
you know, who they are week to week. I, all I can tell you is that he doesn't favor any one person. And he looks to use his tight ends a lot because he likes targeting those areas up the hashes of the field. So he, he gets them involved, but they're beat up at tight end. So it'll be a wait and see kind of approach for me. Poor Browns, uh, fantasy football fans, <laughs> Browns bears, man. Uh, big picture. Let's take a step back at the whole matchup as a whole. What's your, how do you see this game going? Give us kind of a little rundown. How do you see the game going? And then I'm going to put you on the spot and get a prediction from you. Well, it's so hard for me because they've been so, they're so all over the board with, with who they are. Um, you know, if it's hard for me not to be negative, it's, it's, it's really challenging. I, I've always been a prove me, prove it kind of guy, prove that you're legit, prove that you're, um, this team that, that people talk about you being, and um, I don't, I don't know. I, I do have this weird feeling that, that Cleveland might sneak up on Buffalo. It might be a game that Buffalo looks over a little bit. Uh, I do think it's going to be close. I do think it's going to be probably in that 21, 17 uh, type of range or 20 to 17. Someone kicks a late field goal to win. Uh, I still think Buffalo wins just because they have, they have figured out and they have the culture uh, that supports those sorts of close decision type games. Cleveland has not proven it yet. Um, so I will say that it is a 20 to 17 last second field goal or overtime field goal to win it for Buffalo um, because it's a very negative environment in Cleveland right now. And they haven't won a game at home all year. Um, and when you get in first energy stadium and they're losing and the expectations aren't being met, especially if Baltimore, sorry, especially if Buffalo is able to put the clamps down on them in the first half and the boo birds start to really come out. Um, you know, that would be my biggest thing for Buffalo is say, hey, we need to win the first freaking quarter. Win the first quarter, take the lead, go into the second quarter, keep that fan base, keep the atmosphere in that stadium negative. Then you got you got you got it going in the right direction. Because if you do that, you don't let – because if Cleveland jumps out and puts a couple scores on the board early, that place can get rocking a little bit. Maybe they start believing a little bit, and then it gets tough for Buffalo. But uh, Cleveland's not been a very good first quarter team. So I think Buffalo takes an early lead. Uh, I think they find a way to get out 10 nothing, something along those lines. Cleveland creeps back into it, but uh, Buffalo probably wins this game late. It just feels like it could be a game. Listen, we could we could talk Sunday night, and it's a game that, that Buffalo totally overlooked, but I just don't think their coaching staff is, is wired that way. Their culture, their leaders aren't wired that way from everything I've gathered from the outside, so I, I don't think it'll be that. But uh, uh, I don't think it'll be a blowout either way. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be something like that 2017 final. I do agree that I think this is going to be a game similar to a lot of the Bills games this year where I don't know that they're going to come in and overlook this team. I think they know the talent that's on the other side of the ball. And I think that they may have overlooked the Miami Dolphins already. So they've had that kind of shot like, hey, this is remember, guys, this is the NFL. You cannot overlook these teams. Uh, and they've they came out pretty good against the Redskins. But I think it's going to be a typical 2019 Bills games where it's ugly they don't put together a full four quarters and that's going to allow whatever the score is at the beginning of the game that's going to allow this Cleveland team because Cleveland has come back in almost every game that I've seen they they stay in the game so if you don't play that complete game you're going to allow them to come back so I do think it's gonna be a close game I think it's going to be an ugly game at times on both sides I think you're going to see a lot of bad quarterback play from both young quarterbacks at times I think both defenses will do some things that make the other guy uncomfortable 
A lot of punting, probably. To be a honest. lot of punting, um, but I think as far as Bills go, I think it'll be a higher scoring game than we have been used to. But I think it's gonna be similar for Bills fans to last week, and I think for you guys, it'll be almost a similar game to what you had last week. And I see it as a twenty-three nineteen uh, Bills victory. Uh, but really, I urge Bills fans to not get too cocky on Twitter. I think they a lot of people look at your guys' record, see two and six, and say the Bills better win this. This should be they should come out and dominate this team. And I don't think that when this game's over, you're going to feel like either team dominated the other one. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think, I think it'll be close. I think it's, it's two franchises who mirror each other a little bit. Um, and when I say mirror, it's, it's, it's one, um, one has, has, has managed their business, um, understands what it takes. The other doesn't. So it's like the flip counter. One's more talented, I think, on an individual basis but doesn't understand what it takes to win and doesn't understand the culture necessary. While on the other side, it's a little less talented, but they do understand the culture and they do understand team building and they do understand camaraderie, those sorts of things. So it'll be, it'll be very fascinating, but I would be, the biggest thing I would be surprised about is if one team blew the other out. I just, I don't, I don't particularly see that. happen. Thanks again, guys, for listening. This has been Brown's Film Breakdown. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope we can get a little bit of a different result this weekend. I might have picked the Bills. I, I've been picking the Browns for a while, and it hasn't panned out. Listen, prove me wrong. That's all I'm saying. I will be happy to admit on the Sunday breakdown of what happened that I was wrong and this team surprised. So, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Go listen to That's What B Said, the new Blue Wire podcast for the two Cleveland females who are knocking it out of the park. They do a great job. Go listen to the Chase Down pod. Justin and Carter do fantastic work covering the Cavaliers. It's a good listen if you're trying to figure out where that team is because they're young, they're developing. John Beeline's going to be doing a heck of a job for them. So, again, thanks for listening. Subscribe, link, YouTube, iTunes, all of it. Join us. Follow the stuff at the OBR. Really fun work coming out today on what's going on with the Browns downfield passing. It's an absolute disaster looking at some of the data involved there. Go ahead and follow along at OBR. Go ahead and follow along on Twitter. Jake underscore Burns 18. We appreciate you guys, and as usual, go Browns.